0: Good morning. Thank you for coming out this morning. It was cold, wasn't it? It's always a bit deceiving, deceiving when it's sunny and you're sitting behind the glass having your coffee and you think, it's a nice day out there, and then you go out to the car. <sighs> cold. We're, we're, we're still in the book of Acts, but this week's the last week. We haven't finished Acts, we're just going to take a break from the, uh, the study. And we'll doing something else uh, next week. but also going to do a little bit of transitioning this week too, into next week's uh, series. I'll explain that a little bit more later. So we're still in Philippi. Andy Baw, uh spoke last week and he uh, told us that um, Paul and Silas were, were in Philippi and we, we learnt about Lydia and the people that were meeting down by the river. Having a time of worship and prayer, and uh, the guys are still there. They haven't moved on. Now it's interesting. uh, I appreciated that little video with with the travelling. That was really good, isn't it? Because I mean, sometimes you know when you're when you're a preacher, you want to make sure your facts are straight and right. Uh, Very important to do that. So it's hard sometimes to work out how long people have been in a certain place. And you know, theologians have all these. Weird ways of working it out. But how long was Paul and Silas in in Philippine? Well, it would have been at least a few weeks. Some theologians say a number of months. It wasn't a year. So the consensus is around six months, maybe a little bit more. So they've been there a while, haven't they? Now, associations. I don't mean associations like, you know, RECV or RSPCA, but who we associate with are very important. They really are. Associations with certain types of people and organisations can be quite beneficial, advantageous, especially in business. (coughs) And also can be detrimental if we associate with the wrong people or or we're linked with the wrong organisation. You see it all the time, don't you, with our politicians they love to get their faces in in really good things, you know, school openings and all the rest of it. When it's controversial when they've had to close a school they don't go down to the school and say oh we're closing the school because it associates them with a negative thing. I remember a few years ago there was a Richmond footballer, we won't mention his name but he had some very unsavoury people that he associated with, caused him all sorts of trouble and grief in the media, with his club, all sorts of things. So we've seen it. We've probably even experienced it ourselves. We have an association here, don't we, in the passage that we read. It says in verse 16 that once when we were going to the place of prayer, you know, where was that? Down by the river. With Lydia and the company that were there, uh, they met a slave girl who had a spirit which predicted the future. It's interesting what the Holy Spirit records in Scripture, don't you think? Like I said, Paul and Silas were there quite a few few months, and these are there the are three incidences that are recorded for us in Scripture. And the Word of God tells us that Scripture will will last forever, won't it? It will always be there, the Word of God. So here's one. It says there that Paul was distressed at what this girl was saying. What was she saying? This is what she said. These men are servants of the Most High God. yeah. That's quite true, yeah? They were, the servants of the Great High God. And then she says, who are telling you the way to be saved. Yeah, so, that's all the information we've got. Are you distressed about that? How could you be distressed about that? It'd be like saying, Raf's preaching today at uh, Montmorency Community Church is going to teach from the Word of God. What's the problem? Why would Paul be distressed? That was she was saying. It's interesting as you keep reading, it says in verse 18, she kept this up for many days. So as Paul and Silas were walking around doing their thing, you know, teaching the word of God, preaching the gospel, meeting people, going down to the river to pray, there's this, this young woman. Saying, these are the servants of the most high God who have come to tell you how to be saved. I think Paul might have sort of ignored it the first day, the second day thinking, by the third and fourth days, after a number of days, he says that he was distressed. you 've got to ask the question don't you, what is he distressed about? It's the association. What she was saying was quite true. In fact, it was absolutely true. Nothing wrong with what she said, but it was who was saying it and who she was associated with. You see, the the girl, the young woman, girl, whatever you want to call her, she had a spirit. It doesn't say an evil spirit, but some versions of the Bible talk about a demon. But it was a spirit that told fortunes. And that was a problem for Paul. You see, God forbid, strictly forbid the Israelites to have anything to do with sorcery, divination, witchcraft, doesn't matter which colour, white or black, no witchcraft. Nothing to do with mediums or spiritualists or anyone who consults the dead. That's It was given to them by God in Deuteronomy chapter 18, 9 to 14. In Exodus 22 to 18, it got even a bit uh, more strict. It said that sorcerers were to be put to death if they were found in the nation of Israel. And why was that? Well, Satan communicated... With these people it was Satan that was providing the information it was, it was Satan that was providing the, the, uh, the predictions and so forth, not God in fact that's the way what Satan was using uh, these people to to get his messages across to take people away from relying on God, listening to God, taking note of what God was saying. so what's the application for you and me this morning? Why would the holy Spirit Motivate Luke to write this in the book of Acts. Of all the things that he could have written, what well, was the application for you and me today? <coughs> Not all things are permissible in promoting God or the gospel. I think that's pretty clear, don't you think? This is why Paul was distressed. There was a link between this woman. Who she was, the spirit that she had in her and the gospel and God. That's what distressed Paul. Not what she said, because what she said was true. It was the link, the association. Therefore, when they had left... Maybe this girl could have said other things and people thought, oh, well, she said that about Paul and Silas and maybe this is true of God as well. So you can see the danger, the possibilities of of people being led astray or being deceived, taken away from what God actually wanted people to know and hear. And so Paul was distressed about that. And so I'm sure he was probably distressed about knowing that there was an actual a spirit not God's spirit inside this this young person as well. And so he commanded the spirit to leave her. Now we read the account there, what happened after that. The people that, that, that actually owned this girl made a living from her, her ability to predict the future or whatever it was that she was able to do. They were very annoyed. Couldn't do that anymore. Lost an income. And so they went to the authorities and... Uh, complained and Paul and Silas were brought before the magistrates beaten, whipped flogged and thrown into jail so now in the jail that's an interesting thing too verses 24 to 33 Uh, you know it says there that Paul and and Silas were were beaten with uh, With with sticks flogged, how it says severely. I I I have a very high pain threshold. You ask my wife, I have a very high pain threshold. But if I had been with Paul and Silas, I would not have been singing hymns. I would not. I don't think I'd even be praying. I'd be moaning for a start. I'd be cursing, shaking. <laughs> I would not be doing... Isn't that amazing? I mean, we know this story so well. And here are these two men praising and praying and singing hymns. I don't know about you, I find that very unusual. The next unusual thing that happens uh, is there's an earthquake. An earthquake. And you know, being a builder, I know that if there's a big earthquake, you know, know, doors can fall off hinges and windows can pop and all that sort of thing. But it's very unlikely that a like a padlock type of thing would spring open. Very unlikely. And yet, that's what happened here. It wasn't just an earthquake. In fact, I would suggest that the earthquake was probably just in the prison compound because God was behind this. Not a coincidence. God wanted this to happen and so he made it happen. And so we have this earthquake, the doors pop open, the chains are loosened, the stocks that uh, Paul and Silas are in, no lock on it. They could easily open them, walk out. That's what I would have done. Maybe not walked, but ran out. That's what I would have done. But that doesn't seem to be the mind of uh, Paul and Silas. Also, we read in the, in the text, didn't we, that the, the jailer, when he saw this happened, when he realised what had happened, all the doors had opened, the chains had fallen off and so forth, he became a bit suicidal. Maybe you know why, but I'll just give you a quick explanation. In those days, the jailer was responsible, physically and personally responsible for every person in that jail. They had to be kept under lock and key. If they escaped, they didn't ring up the SOG, they didn't ring up the police and say, look, a couple of guys got out, could you put out an APB? They didn't do that. It was the jailer's responsibility. Two things could have happened to the jailer. This is from historical records and stuff. One, he'd have to serve out the sentence of the person that escaped, which would be pretty ordinary if, you, if he was a murderer, or he would have been put to death anyway because he let people escape. Really, You're really motivated as a jailer to make sure people were under lock and key, wouldn't you? That's how it was in those days. So you can appreciate the, 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 the jailer, it wasn't just a door that had opened, that sprung open, but all the doors, all the chains had come off, all the stocks were opened. And he thought, there's no hope here. But Paul and Silas, Paul especially, says, don't worry, we're all here. Don't do yourself any harm. And then, and then we see this situation happen that, Paul and Silas take the opportunity to share the gospel with the jailer. You know, I I love sharing God's word with people, I really do. I take take not every opportunity because I know I've let a few slip, but I take as many opportunities as I can. But sometimes circumstances can be a bit dicey, can't they? Not in the right place to be able to share God's word with people. The Bible does tell us that we should take every opportunity. And here's a man of God taking, taking this opportunity. You know, again, I put myself in this situation, I think, well, maybe maybe after the earthquake and after I've gotten out of the stocks and I'm walking past the jailer who's, who's, who's sort of freaking out a little bit because he thinks he's going to die, maybe as I'm walking past I might say, Jesus loves you as I head out the door. Something like, no. I know it's making a lot of it, but I'm just wondering, why would they bother? Why would they bother? They were flogged, severely flogged. For doing what? Freeing a demon-possessed girl. And 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 here it is. God has, has brought something about to bring about their freedom. And so Paul says, you know what? I'm going to share God's word with this person. But there's something else here too. I don't know if you've noticed. The jailer says to them when he realises what's happening, he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Do you think that's strange? Don't you think that's strange that he would say that? Why would that be? Well, Again, back in those days, the, the jailer was probably living on site, probably had a little, maybe not a cottage, I, don't, I wouldn't have had cottages, but a little dwelling place somewhere on, on the compound and he probably lived there if he was married with his family. And that's what we have here. He's living there with his family. But More than that, he would have known the prisoners that come in, the crime, how long they're in for, if they had to do anything else to them, you know. If he hadn't have heard Paul and Silas already, he would have known what they were in for and what they had done and what they had said. And I think that what we have here is a is a classic example of what our brother shared in his prayer, that God is not willing that any should perish. We have here... God's love and grace and mercy displayed to the jailer. He'd heard, or at least he knew about what Paul and Silas were saying. What was that young girl saying? He, he, he was, she was saying to everyone, these men are telling us how to be saved. Bound to have caused curiosity in the township. Bound to have aroused the interest of the jailer here when they were brought in. Oh, what did they do? What did they say? What was it that, they, that they, they were flogged for? So they had an idea, didn't they? I, lo- I love the idea that everyone gets the opportunity to hear the gospel. Is God loving? Of course he is. Of course he is. Here's a Gentile man not a gentleman, a gentile man, a jailer. Not a honourable profession. They were cruel in those days, let's be honest. I don't think they had a rehabilitation programme. It was more like punishment and if you survive the oh, hell you can get out. And yet this man God loved and gave him the opportunity to hear the gospel. That's a loving and merciful God. It really is. He just didn't send any preacher. He sent Paul. That's pretty good. Everybody. The scripture tells us this in Second Peter. It was read out to us or mentioned at least. That God is not willing that any should perish. But all come to repentance. Every single person gets the opportunity to hear the gospel one way or another from here from a platform from a text from an alpha course from a friend at work from a neighbour everybody gets to hear the gospel at some point some of us are very fortunate to hear it week in and week out live in a Christian home parents that's their job I remember we used to do that with our with our girls Every opportunity, we told them about the gospel. Sometimes you only get one or two opportunities, but you still get an opportunity. But it's important to to understand, what do you do with that opportunity? It's all up to you. What you do with the opportunity is up to you. And here we have the jailer. He says, "Mm, Sirs, what do I need to be saved? He took the opportunity with both hands. And, And Paul says, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. I want you to notice, it's very, very important this, what it says in the scripture. It says there, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to them. It's not just a glib line. They took the time to explain what that meant. That's important. Brothers and sisters, it's important that we understand the gospel and we are able to explain it to people, not in a theological way, in a way that they'll understand. Because sometimes we get caught up, don't we? We've been Christians a long time. We, we slip into that mode of speaking a certain way, using certain phrases, certain lines that we've learnt and heard. And they mean, we know what they mean, but the Philippian jailer, he didn't know what that meant. He probably had never been to the little church down by the river. And they certainly wouldn't have been talking about it in any other pagan place of worship. They took the time to explain the gospel. That is so important. And then in the jailer's house, it says the jailer and his family believed and were baptised. I love that. I love how clearly the word of God has put all this down. It says there in verse 33, At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds and immediately he and all his family were baptised. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. I love that. It's so clear, isn't it, that he believed the explanation of that statement that Paul had given them believe in the Lord Jesus and be saved he believed he accepted what was told to him they all listened the whole household listened they all believed and they were all baptised and then we read that there was a change in the jailer's attitude towards Paul and Silas fed them washed, tended their wounds I just love how God uses any and every circumstance to bring glory to his name through the gospel. God's greatest gift to mankind. I mean, I was talking to PC about the Grand Canyon, the magnificence of the Grand Canyon, and, you know, the Great Barrier Reef. It's not creation. It's not. God's greatest gift to God is not creation. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. The greatest gift that to, to God has ever given to mankind is salvation through Jesus Christ. And this is what uh, drove Paul and Silas. They were in his service, serving him, and they knew it. And they counted, counted it a privilege I think that's maybe why they were singing in the jail after they were flogged for, for witnessing and testifying to the Lord Jesus. So that's the end of this story, isn't it? It's the end. I've got 15 minutes. <laughs> Look, I, I, the, the elders decided that we would take this opportunity to talk about a, a particular topic. 15 minutes. i are going to have to be quick. Right through these 16 chapters of, of Acts, something kept coming up, keeps coming up time and time again. I don't know if you've noticed it. But it's baptism. Hmm. How many... Eight times it comes up. Eight times in the book of Acts. Anything, eight's not very many, Raph. How many times do you think the Lord's Supper comes up in Scripture? Hundred, hundred and fifty, seven times. We do this every week. It's very important to us. I come to this church because of this feast. One of the reasons, but it's it's a it's a it's a major one. Seven times. So in the book of Acts we have eight mentions, eight cases of baptism, but that's not it. In the New Testament In the book of Romans and Colossians and First Peter and Hebrews, it's mentioned as well. Romans gives us a very detailed explanation of what it means. So all up, it mentions it thirteen times in the Scripture. Seven. So what are we what are we talking about? We're talking about one of the two ordinances that the New Testament church is asked to to observe and keep. Breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper has, is known by many names. And then baptism, believers' baptism or baptism by immersion. Only two ordinances. And what's an ordinance? This is really important. I love, I love, I love this, this uh, the definition. An ordinance is an authoritative rule or law, a decree or a, de- or a command, and this is, this is the, the clincher, ordained as by deity. That's critical, right? It's not what I say is an ordinance. It's not even what a synod might say is an ordinance. It's not even what the Pope might say or anybody, Archbishop of Canterbury. An ordinance is ordained by deity. happened only twice while the Lord was here. I will build my church, the Lord said. That's great. And he set down two things, two ordinances, two commands he gave us, two rules to keep, to practice. One is the Lord's Supper. Two is baptism. Makes it important, don't you think? (laughs) I think it does. But it's more than that. What's the Great Commission? You know, the Lord gave the Great Commission in in Matthew, didn't he? he? Before he went back to glory, in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, this is what it says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Now, we know that bit. We know that bit. Make disciples of all nations, baptising them. That's what it says. Baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then it says, and teaching them. So first of all, they have to hear the gospel and believe. And then you you baptise them. And then you can start teaching them and helping them to obey everything I have commanded you. So the Great Commission puts baptism right up there, doesn't it? It's important to God. It's important to the Lord. The Great Commission. That makes it an obligation for everyone who becomes a a disciple or a believer in Jesus Christ to be baptised. It's an obligation, it really is. And it's hard to ignore the importance of baptism in the New Testament. It really is. Especially in the early church, in the book of Acts. It just comes up time and time and time again. Sometimes you just just read over it, but it's important, it's significant. And it's significant today as well. So why is it practised? Why is baptism practised? First of all, it's a confession of identification with Jesus Christ. That's what it is. Now, I briefly touched on this when I spoke on chapter 2 of of Acts, but it's not a new concept, baptism, because the Jews, remember the Jews, if you wanted to become a Jew, if you were a Gentile and you thought, gee, you know, what the Jews are doing there, God's really good, you know, cool God and all the rest, I want to become a Jew. They required you to be baptised. Why was that? Because it identified you with Judaism it took you from the gods that you might have believed before the the, the belief system you might have had the way of life you lived and before a minimum of three witnesses three Jewish witnesses you were immersed in water and you were then identified with the Jewish nation you became a Jew that's where it comes from so, it's, a, it's first of all, it's a confession of identification with Christ. The second thing it, it is, is it is a public proclamation. You know, I know it doesn't happen so much these days because of Twitter and all those other things, you know, but in the olden days, when a baby was born, you have got a notice put in the paper, a birth notice. Yeah. I've got, I've got some laminated ones, you know, but from, my, from my girls' births. Big thing it was in the olden days. Baptism. What what are you laughing at? The olden days. I can say that now, you know. Anyway, all right, all right, no laughing. (laughs) Baptism is a new birth notice. Have you got that? A new birth notice. Because when you become a Christian, when you accept Jesus Christ in in, in your life, the scripture calls that being born again. You are born again. So you get to have another birth notice. Yeah, that's great. That's what baptism is. It's declaring your allegiance or a change of allegiance. I no longer follow this way. I'm following Jesus Christ. It proclaims to the public that you belong to Jesus Christ. You know, when you put in a birth notice, Tiffany and, and Kimberly belonged to Pauline and Raf Kirchy. They belong to us. And that's what, that's what the baptism does. It tells people that you now belong to Jesus Christ. And it tells everyone that, that this is your own personal faith. That's important. It's not the faith that mum and dad believe in. You know, we bring our kids to church. I love that. And we hope that they have their own personal faith. They don't just come because we make them come or because, you know, it's been a tradition in the family that we all go to church. Nice tradition, but it's not very effective as far as salvation goes. So when you stand up and, you be, and you're and you baptised, you're saying, I believe, this is my own... Per- no one has forced me to do this. Do it of my own free will. And it declares... And it's a declaration that you will now, from this day forward, from the day you were baptised, you will walk in a new way of life, leaving the old way behind, walking in a new way of life. You know, in the research, and I knew this, I've read this before, but in the research I was doing, it talks about this man who had a son who went to... Uh, I think it was Yale or Harvard, Anyway, an American university. You know in America you leave home you go to uni. So he left home and moved into state and went went to, to Harvard and he met this lovely girl, as you do, you meet a lovely girl at uni, you know and she was a Christian. Told his mum and dad who were Jews they weren't thrilled about it but they didn't do anything about it. So you know, they, you know things happened, you know and they He gets really friendly with her and and, and that and they 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 decide to to get engaged. So you tell mum and dad that you would, you know. So he told his mum and dad that they were Jews. They weren't thrilled, but they didn't do anything about it. This girl being a Christian, you know, what do you do when you have a Christian when you have a boyfriend who's not a Christian? You bring them to church. She brought her her boyfriend, her fiancé, to church. He got saved. He got saved. He became a Christian. told his mum and dad, I went to church, got behind a Christian. They were Jews. They were not happy. They didn't do anything about it. He rings his mum and dad up. Mum, dad, who were Jews, would you come down to my baptismal service next Sunday I'm getting baptised where did baptism come from? they were Jews they knew exactly what he meant they disowned him never spoke to him again that's what it can mean I'm not saying you should do this I'm saying that that's the significance of it so the third thing about baptism is that it's symbolic I want you to know that you see this feast here it's just bread and just juice. The bread doesn't change into anything and then it is the juice. I know some people think that. I came from a, a belief system that thought something really weird, mystical happened. But it doesn't. It's just bread and it's just grape juice. But it symbolises something, doesn't it? It reminds us of something. It, it, it brings us to a, an understanding of what it means. Baptism is also symbolic. That's all it is, it's symbolic. Bapto means, baptismo. I think that's how you say it, means to immerse or to dip, like, and it comes from the, a word that, that's used in, in, in a commercial dying sense, you know, like when you die something, it has to all be submersed, you know, all covered, otherwise you end up, it, it's, it's blotchy, you know. So, so what does, what does baptism symbolise? It symbolises death, burial and resurrection so when I was baptised what did it symbolise? it symbolised that the old wrath the old wrath had died now when you see a baptism you know they, they push you into the water if they leave you there long enough you die <laughs> they don't do that luckily but that's what it symbolises and it also symbolises that, that when something dies, it is buried, it's gone, it's no longer seen. So the old nature, the old wrath, now you were you very fortunate people, you, haven't, you never met the old wrath. Not nice, okay. Some of you think they haven't changed much, but nevertheless, <laughs> no, but really that's what it means. It means that the old, the old nature, the old person, dead, buried, gone, no more to be seen. Now, luckily, they don't keep you under there too long. They bring you back up out of the water. That's to symbolise you being resurrected again to a new life. So the new wrath is risen and starts again, starts his life again, alive to God. Death, burial and resurrection. Described probably in a much better way than I can possibly do that in Romans chapter 6 verse 13 to 15. So who is baptized? In the eight specific cases in Acts the candidates were all adults. Adolescents maybe as well. Which means no little children and no babies. Okay? I know some people would not this would not agree with that, but that's what the scripture says because they were all believers. They all understood that they were sinners understood that if they remained in that state they would be judged by God understood they needed to be saved from that situation and understood that Jesus Christ was the means of that salvation and they believed that very hard for a little two year old to believe that or a little infant to believe that or understand it I should say so they were all believers they were all born again by the Holy Spirit and they were all individuals too you know, even though we read there there were some family groups you know, a couple of them Cornelius's family and the jailers but it made it very clear didn't it that they all heard and they all believed you can't transfer salvation you, you know, I can't get saved and then my whole family is saved doesn't work like that that's what the scripture says so it's very very important when when should you be baptised the remarkable feature of, of uh, those eight cases in, in, in book of Acts is that in every, in every instance people were baptised immediately very surely after they were saved there was no long delay no lengthy delay that's something that's, that happens a lot these days. There seems to be a big delay between being, becoming a Christian or confessing Christ and openly making that profession through baptism. I wonder why that is. There's some theories. People say that maybe some people are, have, have a, an unwillingness to openly confess. They're scared what their neighbours might think, what their family may think. I know that I, when I got saved, I was a bit concerned what my mum and dad would think, being Roman Catholics. Maybe it's a failure of teaching. Maybe, maybe the church hasn't taught what baptism means and how important it is—not just to you, but to the Lord as well. The confidence that it gives to other believers, knowing that you have taken that step of faith and obedience—that you 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 are genuinely saved. Maybe it's an unwillingness to 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 obey because that's what it is it's probably the first step of obedience that you're called to do publicly don't know but I know one thing in John 14 verse 15 the Lord says if you love me you will keep my commandments the Lord remember I said at the start one of the two things he commanded that a church should do a believer should do is be baptised do you love me Keep my commandments. I'm going to ask a few questions now. Are you a believer? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? I hope you are. I hope there's a big tick there. Yes, I'm a believer. You know, you can be a believer in Jesus Christ and not fully understand what that means because my next question is have you repented of your sins? and ask Jesus to be your saviour because that's what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ I hope there's another big tick there too yes, I'm, I have repented Raph I have asked Jesus to be my saviour the next question I've written in red on my notes because it's important to me have you been baptised? have you been baptised? if you've ticked yes to the first one and yes to the second one have you been baptised hopefully uh, I know many of you have hopefully everyone here I don't know everyone very well here but hopefully you'll all be able to check yes but if there's a no there if there's anyone who hasn't been baptised yet or you've been thinking about it maybe the Holy Spirit is actually speaking to you about it this morning thinking you know i don 't know about this baptism thing you know I did ask the Lord into my heart years ago, and I thought maybe the Lord is speaking to you now through His spirit. What should you do? Would you like to be baptized it 's really easy to do. Just make your desire known. Make your desire known to an elder to, to come and see me or, or, or someone from the leadership team of this church. It can easily be arranged. It's not, a, it's, it's not a hard thing. It's an important thing. You know, when we looked at the Ethiopian eunuch, again, who the scriptures were explained to him by Philip, And he came to the the body of water and said, look, here's water. What prevents you from being baptised? Philip says, hey, if you believe nothing, if you believe nothing prevents you. They went down. The Ethiopian eunuch was baptised. And this is what it says. He he went on his way rejoicing in the Lord. If you haven't been baptised, I can assure you that you'll become like the Ethiopian eunuch. You'll go on in your Christian walk rejoicing in the Lord in the Lord. So please take this opportunity, if you haven't been baptised speak to someone about it Thanks